This is a show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Welcome to the Pot of Blunders. I am your host, Nate Magnuski, and today is a very special episode because this is our, our launch, essentially, of our fifth edition actual play campaign. You know, we've done a lot of short adventures, one, two-parters, that kind of thing, but we decided to sell out entirely and go fifth edition. So I'll introduce my players now. Uh, with me today is, of course, Richard Sullivan. Hello, everybody. My lovely and talented wife, Corey Medeiros. Hey, what's going on? And Jenna Magnuski. Hi. Nice. <laughs> Did it. So today we're doing a session zero. We're not going to be playing the game, but we're going to be building the world. So I have a series of questions I want to ask you, sort of round robin format, to get you guys to help me flesh out this little village you're starting in and your home base. But before we get to that, I want to talk about something called the cat's method. Now, I'm sure you've all heard of this, of course, right? Naturally. Yes. But for the people at home who might not know, why don't you tell them what it is? Because obviously we know. Right, right, right. Why wouldn't we know? Well, we're professionals. Of course we know. So the cat's method is a way that we can talk about what kind of game you want to play. So we can make sure we're all on the same page. And it consists of four parts. It's the concept, the aim, the tone, and the subject matter. All right. I have an idea of what I want in this game. But I, even though I am the dungeon master, jury, and executioner, I want to make sure that you guys are on board with that. The high concept of this game is that there's been a huge apocalypse about 300 years ago. Something went wrong. Your characters don't know what caused the thing to go wrong. But essentially, all these monsters from beyond the stars flooded into the world and hunted humans that gathered in groups. So they attacked cities. They attacked towns. They attacked large families, humans and humanoids. Civilization crumbled in a few years. And only small bands of survivors have been able to do anything, been able to scrape out a meager existence for the past several hundred years. About 50 years ago, for some reason, humanity was able to gather together again in small pockets and settle small towns. And you're members of one of those towns, a small village somewhere, some nameless hamlet that's just now figuring things out. I don't know if any of you will know what happened. I don't know if you'll be interested in figuring it out or if you'll be too busy just trying to survive. There may be other villages in the area. There may be other towns, other people to meet. But if there are points of light, they're dim and they're fading fast. So with that concept in mind, what do you guys think? I like it. No, the, just trying to scramble things together. Is there going to be like an ultimate goal or are we just, I guess, for us to decide? Or if you have any like main arc you want to follow? So the way I like to run games is I'm going to present you with a few like major villains and arcs to, to approach. Whichever one you go for, that's what we'll do. The other ones will still go on in the background. Like if you choose to save the drowning kid and not take care of the burning church, well, that'll have repercussions later on in the game world. But you I can did. choose. More money in churches. There you go. Will there be an ultimate goal? Yeah, I assume that you'll you'll settle on a quest eventually, some major goal. But that's up to you to decide. So I think there'll be a lot of exploration in this game. I do think that at the end of the day, your village is the one safe haven that you know of, and it will become your home base. And the successes that you have and the failures that you have will determine how this village thrives or fails. You are the heroes. There's no other ones like you. No one's longer as capable as your, your characters will be. 
I'm a very special snowflake. <laughs> there is no one like me. You are a very special snowflake. Richard, what do you think? You've been quiet. No, I think Jenna is a very special snowflake. I was nodding mm. in agreement, and thank God there's mm. only one of her. Mm. <laughs> they broke the mold, as they do for all defective molds. Yeah, no. Um, I don't think the world can handle more than one of me, so that's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, if we know that the monsters are hunting down people in groups, wouldn't after 300 or so years people have figured out the key to survival is not to hang out in towns and hamlets? Well, that's kind of the interesting thing, I think, is that in the past 50 years or so, the monsters have stopped. Either they've starved off from lack of prey or something has gone different where there's not as many of them and they're not interested in attacking civil, like settlements anymore. And so people have finally started settling down and trying to rebuild some semblance of civilization, however that may look now. So we don't know why civilization collapses. Is it like something that's there are some stories out there, but we don't know for sure or... It's discoverable. And I mean, if one of you says, you know, I'm going to be a dwarf that was 50 years old when this you know, whole thing went to shit, you'll know because you lived through it. Or if you're an elf or one of the other long lived races. But humans, you know, that's that's a saying, OK, what happened when America was settled? Like we know what we've been told. We know what some of the basic things, but we don't know everything. We don't know the intricate stories of it all. We're told what the victors tell us. And right now, we're not the victors. Who knows what survived? Who knows what lore has been passed down? Or if it was even valuable to pass down because it wasn't essential to survival. Hmm. So that's a concept. Are we all on board with that? Anything we want to add or subtract? No, I mean, I mean it's very open right now. I just want to start hmm. getting more specific. Sure. Where are we going to be at like technology-wise? Like, Do we get knocked down a peg and it's more we're trying to go more like not quite medieval, but like sort of like that's the like, classic weaponry? Classic weaponry as long as you can scavenge it because there really aren't mm. any smiths or anything, I don't think, or at least not compared to what used to be in the old world. Okay. Like, so you might find plate armor, but most of it might be rusted to shit or your sword might be pitted and maybe it's made of obsidian now. And where are these aliens? That sh- well, I don't, I don't know necessarily aliens, but creatures that showed up, mm. are they more just animal in nature? Like rather than technology based? They're more like mindless horrors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They came, think like, Lovecraftian? Yeah, I think Lovecraftian monsters, like in, in true D&D stuff, gibbering mouthers, aboleths, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Aberrations. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to picture like what we're looking at. Sure. Here. So I don't know if you're familiar with Dark Sun at all. No, I am not. So it's a D&D setting where basically the world's gone to just some giant desert. There's a few bastions of civilization, but they're tyrannical entirely. Gotcha. There are big cities, but everyone's struggling to survive. Here, there are no big cities. We haven't even hit that point yet. Like, okay. I would guess the biggest city in the world maybe might be a thousand people. So, if we're settled on that, the next part is aim. So, what are you trying to accomplish? So, now I, I'm going to open it up to you. What, what kind of story do you want to tell? Do you want to have some big swashbuckling adventure type thing? Do you want to have an ultimate goal where there's some big bad evil guy you have to stop? Do you want to build the city? Do you want to like try to, you know, make life better for these people? Or do you not want to be tied down to this village at all? I kind of like the idea of keeping the village small. Mm-hmm. To not attract attention, just be kind of like a, a small band of friends kind of thing. I like that. Yeah, I like this kind of like a um, frontier outpost. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nothing major, not trying to make a metropolis or even like a, a major town, just more like, I don't know, 30, 50 people. Right. Trying to survive, really. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Richard? I mean, I, th- I think I'd like to go on a 
like a fact finding mission. I think I'd like to know what happened. And I think that would be the overarching mission is, you know, and maybe every session we get a little more information and a little more information uh, as to what ultimately happened. Is there like a big bad push in these things out or what caused them to, to all of a sudden attack and then go dormant. All right. Yeah, we can do that. So that's pretty much settled. Then <laughs> we can move on to tone pretty quickly. By default, anyone who's listened to our podcast at all knows that we are irreverent assholes who make terrible jokes repeatedly. And that's kind of our charm. If you ask me, how do we want this to be? I, I don't want to say that we're, we're going to do this funny because whenever you try to be funny, it's like forcing a part. You just shit your pants. Exactly. That's, we are not about that life. No, you so, never gamble on a fart. The exactly. house always wins. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to try to do like serious melodrama here? Do we want to just try to be like pulp action adventures, swinging from chandeliers, you know, punching space Nazis in the face? What do we? I can see like Avengers style, where it's like there's the humor and seriousness. Okay, mm. like like big pop summer blockbuster style. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah, no, I just I never like getting too serious. Right. But yeah. Short I agree. of cannibalism and tree fucking oh god (laughs) yeah that was a good episode though (laughs) so the last thing we have to do before we can move on to the question and answer part of our show is subject matter so there's certain things i just don't want to fucking deal with because it it bothers me and i don't want to have it in the show because it's a turn off to listeners it's a turn off to me and i want this to be fun for all of us all right so personally i'm not going to have any violence against children or sexual violence or object racism abject racism not object racism there might be that i really hate squares right fucking squares but so that sort of thing is out for me is there anyone that wants to add anything to that list like i had a friend that hated bugs not like oh she's kind of afraid like if you put a bug in the game she would pack up her stuff and she would leave so like that kind of anything that would be like just completely ruin your fun Mm. Nah, you gotta go some to offend me. I mean, I also feel like I'm pretty comfortable with you all, and if you did something that like really upset me, I'd just be like, that was fucked up. No, that's uh that's a good group of things. I, I have really nothing that would other than like try not to get too tropey with some stuff, but I know you're you're good at not doing that, so just, we'll give it a shot. You know, just no <laughs> eye rolling like you were all asleep the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no. You wake up in a prison and all your things are gone. Like, fuck you. No, it's not. <laughs> Give me my shit back. We're going to start you off really strong and then you're going to lose all your items, Metroid style. <laughs> so, like Jenna said, we've all known each other for like a decade at least. Some of us longer. Some of us far, far, far longer. If anything comes up and you're like, actually, that did piss me off and I hate it. We can always... I'm not retconning. against retconning. Yeah, we can retcon it. We can roll it back and try again. Just... You always have the option to say, hey, that's fucked up. Okay? We're going to start building our village now. That's our next goal here. So I have a bunch of questions for y'all. Uh, who would like the first question? Me. Oh, oh, Fight Corey to the death. Hey, hey, <laughs> who do you love more? Ask them first. Okay, me. I, I bow to the person the... that you have known and loved the longest. We'll split the difference. We'll go with Corey so no one has hurt feelings. <laughs> but really, it was going to be me. <laughs> it's going to be Corey. All right. So people started coming together to form villages again about 50 years ago. How long has this village been settled? I like the idea of it being a little more recent than that. It's not too old. Maybe like 15 years. How's that sound? That sounds beautiful to me. And uh, anyone can jump in. 
but the person who I asked the question to is the final arbiter of the decision. Everything they say is canon. It goes into the lore, and that's for the final say. The enemies are graboids. Ah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You've made it too powerful. Why? (laughs) I can't be stopped. All right. 15 years ago. Okay. So we're going to go to uh, Jenna now, because that's in my clockwise thing. Jenna, why did people choose to settle here? Um, People chose to settle here because it is along a waterway and therefore was supposed to be better in terms of shipping routes and eventual prosperity. So kind of like uh, like the boom towns along the railroad. It's like a boom town along the river. I'm curious that they were like, ah, finally, we're out of this place where we're like cannibalizing each other to survive. Time to think about the economy. <laughs> Listen, capitalism is everywhere. You had the chance to reinvent the world and you invented capitalism. <laughs> Way to go, Jenna. <laughs> I was thinking as a historian, people would settle along waterways, so... Need clean water. That's true. Mm-hmm. Are there water-based monsters in this world? And have you just set us all up for doom, Jenna? <sighs> yes, and I did it on purpose. I could swim pretty good, so we got this. Did I mention that every ounce of water, there's now a water elemental? Because that's pretty important at the start. (laughs) Sorry about that. You get your eight ounces after every time you pee. Oh, man. What if you had a water elemental that was in your bladder and just tore its way out? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Well, technically, isn't everybody like... When you had an oh, man related to that. I I had no idea where it was going. Like, and it was fine, but it's not. That was no. Mm-mm. Just like hulking out of a skin suit. <laughs> the water elemental is here. I hate you, piss elemental. Go away. <laughs> All right, Richard. What is the climate like here, and what are the natural disasters that affect the area? I'd say it's relatively cool. Maybe spring, just about year round. Sixty-five, cloudy at night. But I think the biggest you say natural disaster. Yeah. I think we suffer from flooding. Okay. Jenna had to put us by that water. Get a little humidity going. Would you say on- the best day is April 25th because it's not too hot and not too cold? All you my, need is a light jacket. It's my there perfect it date. So like how Hawaii is always like 75 degrees. San Diego is the same thing. Are we like always 50, 55? Yeah. All right. Like just year round, just 50. Wow. Okay. So what's the vegetation? Like there's like a lot of pine forest, that kind of stuff. Or is it like open? Whose question is this? This is Richard Still. Don't forget okay. it. Just smells like gin everywhere. <laughs> Juniper. Yeah, I'm getting a very like Twin Peaks. I would well, so you're going Pacific Northwest. I was going like New Hampshire, New Jersey. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, we have a Twin Peaks thing going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you're it's your call. No, I, I, like I was it. thinking more of a, a Camp Crystal Lake vibe. I like it. I like it. Where maybe okay. we're surrounded by many lakes. Hmm. Okay, so it's like a Minnesota type idea, right? Are there mountains, or is it very flat? Because you said flooding, so I'm not sure. I think we're we're definitely below sea level. Oh, so it's swampy. Cool, cold swamps. No wonder you live here. <laughs> All right, now we're going to Corey. Richard's actually Shrek in this game. Jenny had a look <laughs> on your face that was like, actually, it's better than hot swamps because crotch you know, mosquito-borne diseases, like crotch rot, like Richard said. Yes, and the crotch rot. No one likes swamp ass. Trench foot. All the good ones. Mud butt. Dick worms. Everything. Oh, Lord. All right, Corey. Who was the first family to settle here? And are their ancestors still in town? The dick worms, of course. Ah, yes. 
of the New Hampshire dick worms. <laughs> I don't know. We need like a, a rich sounding na- family name if they're going to settle in a what could be a prosperous area. Worthington's. Do they like choose a name after they settled here? Like we're going to get rich now that we have civilization again. Right now, now they came up with a name afterwards. <laughs> we're the Bucksworths, the gold fellows, money um... havers. Trying to think of something that could sound like they came up with it after that, like you said, after they moved in. Maybe something like swampy related. The Trying land of think... lakes. The, the fortune fens. Ooh. The fortune fens is kind of kind of has a fun ring to it. Fortune fen? <laughs> the fortune yeah. fen 900. <laughs> well, like, what's the natural resource that something would be an abundant in? We're going like, to get there. Don't I'm you saying, even if, fucking if worry. If you were like in Lumberland. Yeah, like if you were in Lumberlands, you would be the woods. So if water is so highly valued. The nasty, stinky water in the grounds. <laughs> um, Nestle. <laughs> you discovered my big, bad, evil guy for the campaign. <laughs> You're going to sell all your fucking water to the... You're going to scoop up my water? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at names if, if anyone else has any uh, ideas. I'm trying to think of words for swamp. And I keep thinking of swamp and fens. Marsh. Marsh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the marshes. That's kind of good. Yeah. What about the Rockefellers? <laughs> they only wear three-piece suits that are like patched together with <laughs> shitty leather, like moss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Smooshed into suit form. Marshmakers, marsh marshmongers. Marshmonger say, is fucking cool. If it was going to be just marsh, there was going to be a it lot could of be one, women jokes. It could be one person named Marshmonger. And that was like maybe that's the head of the family. Yeah, he settled it. I mean, it's only been settled for fifteen years, so or it's a title. Ooh, like the instead of him being the he's mayor the, or the king, the, he's the marshmonger, and it's like a Mad Max style guy with like I like it, like a mossy, uh, humongous. No, he kind of looks like he's wearing a ghillie suit, just kind of brushed up. Yeah, I was thinking like Lord Humongous, but with like a moss covered hockey up. helmet. Yeah, I'd say like the, the original one is still there. Still mm. running it, or could, he could just recently have died. Oh, like a power vacuum thing. Yeah, but if it's a family, wouldn't he have like that's true. Out children that be fighting I, over it? I like the idea of him still being around. So, what kind of man is, or woman is this marshmonger? Are they like a just dictator? Are they just like brutal and trying to make an economy? I think if you establish they're a monger, that they're not going to be like fair and just. They're they're a little ruthless, but it's for the good of the town. Okay, so like utilitarian, like. The greatest good for the greatest many, but yeah, they're willing to, you know, sacrifice a few people if the town survives. See, I was going the total opposite way. I was thinking it was going to be like the mayor in Blazing Saddles or President Scroob and Screwballs. Just some inept leader. Yeah. Totally drunk with power, but no responsibility. And like his family's real power. They just kind of like whisper in his ears and tell him what to do, that kind of thing. He's a a figurehead like the queen. Take that, England. (laughs) Coming for you next. Yeah. USA. USA. Yeah. The outro to this episode is just going to be America. Fuck yeah. We're just going to do the America the role-playing game. We're playing colonial gothic now. All right. So we have the Marshmonger. He's a figurehead. He is utilitarian, or at least his his family behind him is. We can flesh Oh, I will or you will flesh out some of those characters later on. But are we good to move on from that? Yeah. Corey, anything else you want to add for this family? No, I I think we're good there. All right, Jenna, what's housing like in this village? What are the homes made of? Is it communal? Is it separated by family group? What's up? Well, we're living in a swamp, so I'm going to say that they're up on stilts. Cool. 
and that they are all internetworked by walkways. So kind of like Ewok Village? Kind of, but like on the ground. But wetter. And you don't live by family group. You live by age group. Oh, okay. So who instituted that and why? Mm. Would have to be the Marshmonger, wouldn't it? Yeah. But or, or someone in the family. Right. But what would be the reason to do that? Wolf pack mentality. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, like if you're trying to have them think in a certain way and you're trying to like imbue certain traits and that sort of thing, it's okay. easier to indoctrinate. Yes, this is a cult. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also take, and, and to Jenna's point too, you you take the family unit out of it. You don't have, so everybody looks to the marshmallow. They don't look to their individual mother. They're all brought up the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's fascinating. So like Very really- Mad Max style, like you said earlier. You don't live with your family, but does the marshmallow have his or her family separate? No, the mar- say I'm getting a David Koresh vibe. <laughs> the marshmallow. I still will- believe. <laughs> yeah, I think half of the, the, the children in the village are fathered by the Marshmonger. Okay. That's so going to be a we've, problem. We've established then that the Marshmonger is a male, or at least has male anatomy. I, I envisioned the Marshmonger as a, as a man, but I'm open to women. What if the Marshmonger selects the best and the brightest from them to become his quote-unquote children? Like, each age group has a leader, and they're his, his voice for that age group. So, his lieutenants? Pretty much. Like, okay, you're in like the 13 to 18 age group or whatever the division is, mm-hmm. whoever rises to the top, however they do that, he chooses you, and then you're his child or her child. That way it can be a male or a woman or, or non-binary. We can decide that later on. I like that. You can also have different age groups that have the children of the Marshmonger rise in really different ways. So you could have one leader that's very politically savvy. You could have one that just beat their way to the top. You know, like you can have. Yeah. He selects like different of types different of lieutenants. Mm-hmm. But see, like, then the- this one, this one's strong. This one's cunning. This one's. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't the problem be if these are his children, anybody older than the monger would outlive their usefulness and therefore be independent and be seen as a threat? They could be cast out once you hit. Once, yeah, once you hit 20, you're gone. Hmm. Or he treats you well if you're one of his children, so you have that loyalty. Because, I mean, we're also dealing with, like, elves might exist in this town. So the Marshmonger might be a human who's 60 years old. This elf might be 840. But the honorary title of child might just be, like, a political station. So maybe it's, like, a level of maturity. For example, Jen is playing a B person that lives only 15 years tops. So the B person might only, if they were in this village might be in the, the child group for only like a year and then might go to the teenage group for like two years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it has to be, I don't think it can be hard by age. I think it has to be like you're promoted to the next group. But I so feel like somebody who has a short life expectancy mm-hmm. would be ideal for this cult. Yeah. Because the longer you live, the more thinking you start doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're, I mean, a B, I mean, you're the perfect worker B. So are you comfortable with that going forward? Like, like the bracket of groups, and then like there's like a person selected from each one. Yeah, to be the leader. And then the Marshmonger is like fearful of someone taking his power, or is he so, or she so disillusioned that they know there's no threat to them. They're a, a god they founded this town. I feel like they feel like there's no threat to them. Oh, I feel like they're paranoid as hell. That's why they've had such a, for the last 15 years, they've worked so hard to convince these people 
you know, you have to live in this group. You can't be, you know, live with your family. What if the Marshmonger is a wood elf or some kind of elf? That way they are like a thousand years old. And there's no one who can be older than them. Right. They can't be outlived. Right. They know actually what actually a tree What if they're actually a tree <laughs> then? What if? Why not? What if what if they're the mangrove tree that they're all built around? Oh, <gasps> that's dope. It's actually just like a living tree. Yeah, like Pocahontas grandma tree. But not as sexy, right? No, well, nothing could be. Doesn't have quite the same bush. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, beans. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Stop thinking about bush. <laughs> so I, I, I like the idea of that. That's, um, but is it like a, a, a tree just stuck still or one that can like a tree and like maneuver? It's like tree beard. Yeah. What do you think? I think it would be cool if it could maneuver because then if there was like a threat to the village, they could just move the village. Maybe it's only been in this spot for 15 years, but it's been a village for longer. It's been moving up and down like the river. and mm-hmm. Yeah, it picked that spot so it could suck up all the water. Like It's a huge willow or like Jenna said, a mangrove. Its well, roots I, go deep. <laughs> I'm thinking it's almost like a titan. Yeah, where it hunches over. And then if it were ever to stand up and move, which maybe it will later in the adventure, you know, people are falling off of them. And... Right. So you think he's stationary for now, but he could get up if he had to. Or right, yeah. Or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call this thing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. So the Marshmonger is a tree ant. All right. Which then makes you think, what prompted it to move last time? So this, so we'll far, this there. village has taken on a very different cast from what I had in my head, but I, I freaking love it. Because <laughs> like none of us are creative as all of us, you know? This is great. Richard. Yes. Since this town was founded, what is the best thing to have happened to it? I'm guessing because people are so indoctrinated to the Marshmonger that they think the best thing that happened is for them, for him to allow them to live on his being. So like the people that are living here now weren't with him when his, he was at his previous spot. Like this is a new collective group. I think there's probably a few, Like he probably does this every hundred years or so just goes from spot to spot when everybody either dies out or, figures out what he really is, and then he just goes upstream somewhere else. I mean, for the past 300, there's been no people. Unless it was like one or two, but even then. Maybe he's been traversing, looking for people. Or maybe he didn't always have people living on him. Mm. Yeah. He was just plotting the whole time. (laughs) No, maybe monsters can survive just as easy on him. And Mm. there's some type of symbiotic relationship while he needs the people. You know, either he's feeding off, you know, their life forces or... Maybe he demands a sacrifice every so many years, like McCurman style. We must keep the honey flowing. Not the bees. Not the bees. Bear punch. All right, cool. Corey, what's the worst thing to happen? There was one year where we had a drought where it felt like the, the swamps were going to dry up. Mm. We were struggling for a long time. The people died because of it or were they able to survive? I'd say we lost some. So like, say like our village was like 50 people. We probably lost like, I don't know, 12, 15 people. Decent chunk died off, but for the most part we survived. But they were from the older camp, right? Yeah. <laughs> were any of them, any of the lieutenants, like, was there a major shakeup then? Ooh, and there was like a power vacuum. Yeah. Where the marshmallow take care of his people, make sure they had the food before the others. Yeah, maybe like he grows fruit or something in a certain section of his body that he only allows lieutenants to. What if the fruit has like some kind of magical property that it imbues? Kind of like, like the, the, the fruit in Black Panther. Yeah, or like uh, it gives you like temporary wisdom bonuses or intelligence bonus or whatever you need. 
Like if he needs a fighter, he'll give you a fruit and it'll make you a better fighter for the, the day or whatever. Or maybe it's addictive. So like if you want to stay lieutenant and you get the fruit that you need, you're going to have to do whatever I tell you to do. I think it's more addictive in the sense that people like the way they feel after they have one. Okay. They're just like, oh, all right, I got I to gotta keep this going. And only like the lieutenants know about it, but there's whispers of it amongst the people. That didn't go so well during uh, the droughts. Mm. And then maybe, like Jenna said, one of them, we could have lost one of them during then. Maybe they got like overthrown or something. Or I, like I don't know if we necessarily want like a full like civil war within the 15 years that we've been there, but. Well, I'm just thinking like maybe they. Or they just died out. They were yeah, older. Like they, just, they died, you know, because of the starving times. Like something happened. They were desperate. They ate something they shouldn't have. I don't know. Not necessarily in like. Yeah. A, yeah, because maybe he produces good fruit, but also like poison berries. Uh-huh. I, also, I also got a feeling, too, that priority wise, he'd make sure if there was a limited amount of food that the younger groups, you know, would eat first and that the older people, you know, kind of midsummer style, once they hit a certain age, right. uh, he, he lets them die and becomes the food for the tree. Yeah, they're fertilizer. Mm. They, they maybe maybe that's his ultimate plan. Like, like is, you just said like midsummer. Well, no, they throw them off a cliff and then if they don't die, they bash them with a hammer. But they also bury their dead right next to that one tree. So maybe there's like spots under his roots where like you tie the corpses so he can absorb their body. Right. And that's how you give back for all the bounty you reaped from him. Now it's your turn to pay it back. One big earth cycle. And it was an honor for them to become fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. No one's upset about it. Until they find out like they're alive the whole time and they stay alive inside him for like a hundred years, slowly being digested like a Sarlacc mouth. <laughs> I, don't people, I don't think people would be too thrilled to sign up if that was the case. No, no, that's probably true. This next question is Jenna's. We already answered this, so I'm going to have to take a little different path to this. The original question here is who has power here? We know oh. the Marshmonger and his lieutenants have power. Who else has power here? Who's a master blaster to Tina Turner in Thunderdome? You know? <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about, you know, keeping the tree alive and that cycle. So I would imagine any person capable of bearing life. So, like, People who are of fertile age or who can mm-hmm. bear children, yes. that kind of life, or like animal husbandry, or what are you, are you just thinking of children? I was thinking of children. I was thinking actually specifically of the Handmaid's Tale and how, in a collapsing or otherwise limited society, if you're trying to repopulate or maintain or whatever, being able to grow the population or not would be pretty important. So to make more young, controllable people, he wants <laughs> fecund. But it could women. also be like matriarchy way, like style. Like there's the elder woman who can who speaks with the monger, like a high priestess of the monger kind of idea. Yeah, to like, go alongside the lieutenants. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, and no. then my my other question would be: Is this somebody who is no longer eligible for that role once they are no longer? Fertile, or is it a prone type role where it's something that someone takes on once they are no longer able to bear children and can therefore have a longer view beyond supporting the monger? I kind of like the crone trope, or just like the old lady in the, the swamp, like pumpkin head style. <laughs> I, I figure that, like Jenison, once you age out, let's say there's five of them. You only need one. So if you're his favorite, you get to be like the grandmotherly type to teach the next the, you know, generation how to mother. Like a sacred doula or like midwife. Yeah. Right. Like your whole job when you were of the age where you can carry 
young to through to life. So like 18 to 45. Well, I mean, that's if we're humans and yeah, whatever. the equivalent so, for whatever race. Yeah. Right. So whatever that window is, you aren't thinking like your job is not to consider these other bigger questions necessarily. Your job is to bring life. And that's about it. Because then it, I was going to say and raise life, but then you're being sent out into age-based living. Who's taking care of the children if they can't take care of themselves yet and it's not family? Grandmas. Like Like the crones all raise the children. Yeah, I'm getting a very Morton Joe vibe from the Marshmonger. Yeah. Are we happy? So I'm going to take a little pause here. Are we happy with how dark or light this is? Are we good so far? Yeah, I think so. We might have to up the village size. We had it a little smaller, maybe make it a little bigger. Yeah. We had, what, 50 or so originally? Or was it... Something like that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like numbers wise, if we have like multiple of like drones and lieutenants and stuff like that, it goes quick. Yeah. Yeah, Plus, I I think we're allowed a bigger number based on now we've established why we're safe. Mm -hmm. Because if shit hit the fan, our town could literally walk away. Right. And you don't have. It becomes like Metroplex from the Transformers. You can't have a hierarchy. Like having a hierarchy with like 50 people with like lieutenants is kind of a lot but if it's 150 okay now that makes more sense okay so what number do we want to settle on for the size of this village i'm thinking 100 200 yeah maybe like 200 okay i'm thinking i'm thinking a lot of children you know maybe i have another question 50 75 children 20 lieutenants a couple doulas a couple grannies i have a question are we the only Marshmonger society? Are we like our insular little group or are there other tree ant monger symbiosis things? Like living in one of the other lakes nearby? Right. I think if there are, we don't know about them. Because again, if, if word got out that there were others, it would take away from his power. Mm. Then he would no longer be special and useful. And people would say, well, I'll go to the other tree man. Go try his fruit. Again, mm. I think there's a, a whole system of deceit and trying to keep people ignorant you don't want to go out to the wasteland you need to stay here where i can provide for you right i I can't protect you out there you're on your own out there but here you're safe i can provide i have everything you need and as a ranger for Corey's character we'll get to that later on that'll be interesting because you're kind of a far traveler i would imagine but anyway that's a bridge to a cross at some other point richard yes what is something this town has in abundance children I think maybe because of how scattered people are and how probably limited food is, they probably haven't focused on children because it's just one more mouth to feed and something else to drag around. So maybe because this town lives kind of in prosperity, they're like the baby boomers. Okay, yeah. And that's their sole purpose. I mean, he's literally a baby factory for just people to feed on. And Yeah, like if an outsider came through, they'd be weirded out by hearing like children laughter or something. Right. They're like, oh, I haven't heard that in ages. Great. Corey, what's something rare in this town that the town needs more of? I'd say like people to go like out, I guess, adventurers. I don't know if that, that'd be the term, but since like essentially half of the society is dedicated to raising, you know, the children and whatnot to like keep the cycle going, we don't really have a lot of people who would go out and either like scavenge for other stuff nearby or protect the town. Or would we all just be kind of be like trained in warrior ways to like would everyone be capable of fighting? If there was ever a threat, would we need to fight or would 
the marshmongers simply move us. Yeah, I don't think there's any war. I think it's a very soft civilization because they're solely dependent on their tree god to right, get them which, through. So I'd and say they, like we're, we're missing fight capable bodies. Yeah, I think we're missing men because again, he's a tree. You know, maybe he can. I'm thinking like, all right, hell comes to frog. Pollinate. Yeah. yeah, hell comes to Frogtown. Yeah, they needed Roddy Piper. Can I just say this is probably babies. the only podcast to quote "Hell comes to Frogtown." Well, but right, but the, the frog people <laughs> needed him to breed. Yeah, so there's like, or even Man of Steel, where there's no men, women, live births. So I think there's no men in the village. I think it's solely women. The tree is able to provide that. Right. So, so how I, do you how do you work with ideas of consent then? Because, like you said, you don't want it to be forced pollination but i mean again they have the i think they have the attitude that it's a uh because they're so brainwashed that it's some great honor mm. are they like i'm thinking almost like a beehive where like the men are the drones they do a few tasks that they're set to again or like uh and those are the ones that become food very maybe quickly. this is why my my beeple is so excited to figure out what is going on in this village because i'm like Right, it's a little hive. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, it operates like that. Yeah, Yeah. maybe it could be like you have the like as you come to age, you the women have the choice of you can either go the breeding route or like the crone route. You know, Mm. you're also given the choice this way. It avoids like the the forced situation. Right. Just I want to say it's not sex. Yeah, yeah, it's not. But it's like they might literally eat an apple off of the tree and boom. Yeah. Right. But it's like um, like you either decide to bear your own fruit or become like the midwife doula person true but then again i don't think he would want like to me a midwife should be somebody that is more experienced with children so to give him the option well is anybody experienced with children if you're not raising your own kids true enough that's a good point it could be just like a group dedicated to raising children right like yeah these are the early childhood educators of the tree (laughs) collective that's just what you do is you've dedicated yourself to raising the next generations of these treeple. So if an elf mom gets, she eats the, the watermelon seed and the watermelon grows in mommy's tummy, does the baby come out as an elf or does it come out as like some kind of tree person? Well, it'd, it'd be an elf tree hybrid, I would imagine. Yeah. It's like, have you ever played Mass Effect? Yeah. Like the Asari? Yeah. Okay. So the Asari culture is just all women. And in order to breed, they just like, mind meld with a another person it doesn't have to be man woman at, or even their own race they just kind of do it and they just take the strengths of their dna and create their own asari child from that are they all kind of like a tree something mix like are you a half dragon tree person right and like do you well i guess you're always half tree half Whatever. something else but like gradually you're going to be less and less i'd say like it, it just takes whatever nutrients it needs from the tree and you're just like it takes whatever chromosome it needs it takes, okay. puts it in you and you're still just all elf mm. or all dwarf or halfling whatever so mm. i like that idea what if every now and then like there's a blessed child who comes out with tree-like qualities mm. and then make their own threat? marshmonger right well or it's just like, oh, well, this is like, um, that's the lieutenants. They're like a tree-aligned spirit. They're more tree than person. Yeah. They're not like woody and stuff. Like a plant folk. 
think it'd be yeah. a little woody. Just like some bark instead of a skin. I have root. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a group, but not right. as, you know. Yeah. That was literally what I was thinking of when <laughs> you were just, describing but it. But could actually root. talk. <laughs> one yeah, one no. in every, like, how many would you say? Like, it would have to be pretty rare, you'd think, right? Or if we yeah. want, the, like, if, or if those are the ones selected as lieutenants. I think the tree can control it. I think the tree can control how many people. Like, hey, we need there. another one. Well, yeah, just like it, just like a queen. Yeah, like a royal jelly type idea, right? Like, yeah. Well, before we were talking about like rising to the top as part of how you became the lieutenant, but now it's become like more of a birthright thing. Do we like that change? I like that that's the natural order, but to have some type of a story, there has to be some type of misconflict or, or or just somebody that says, you know, hey, no. I'm, I, you know, I'm special, you know, the hero's call, like there should be a, a child that is like the prophesized one that will rise against. And he's, maybe he's not a bee person or a tree person. So maybe we make that like, instead of making that happen every so often, it's only like super rare one in 500. I was going to say the first what time if... it's happened in yeah. 15 years. And there's a, you know, a, a revolt that's going to happen. And maybe our characters have to help that in some way when we show up. Hmm. I was going to say, what if it happens when the monger knows that he will die and he's creating a new monger for the symbiotic village thing? A new, like, I'm dying off. Here's a village that Right, like, I only have so many more rings in me or whatever. And he's literally causing his successor to be birthed. I kind of like the idea of a rebel faction. Like this, ba- this baby's born, and they keep it from the Marshmonger. But they don't tell him about it. Yeah, I like it. You know, because right now we're setting up the empire with with no. Yeah, rebels. all the all like the 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 crones are like, oh, we need to like keep this away in secret, right? And then like raise them separate off somewhere else. Mm. So how do they keep something like that from the monger? Maybe we need to find another village as the adventurers some place to go like i it's a moses story right like there's a child they ship him upstream because uh was it king herod no herod was the one that tried to kill jesus who's the one that tried to kill moses pharaoh pharaoh you know pharaoh wants him dead oh don't worry he's dead the baby didn't make it and it could have literally gone <laughs> upstream in this yeah well maybe part of our quest arc whatever is us trying to shield the child like the crones somehow get in contact with us we are the ones that are going to smuggle the child out so that it can prosper somewhere like live to adulthood in order to rebel or something give a new hope great another escort quest (laughs) (laughs) why can't you walk faster god damn it (laughs) don't go over there all right. So You're was... stuck in the geometry. God, He's I got stuck on another log. <laughs> yeah, but it's literally a screaming baby from uh, Yoshi's Island. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whose question was that? Genesis? I think it was mine. Yeah. All right. So, aside from the beehive that's nearby, the big Melifarin hive, there's another village within a few days' travel. Aside from the distance, what separates it from your village? Well, I can't say a forest because. We live on a tree. Or are all trees sentient? Just this one. Okay, so it's kind of like a a a wicked thing where you have like the talking animals and the non-talking animals. Yes. 
wait, that's not Wicked. That well, I mean, it is in Wicked, but it's also in Chronicles of Narnia and Disney. Yes. In real life, if you have enough mushrooms, yeah. Well, like Gold, Golden Goof, Compass, like Goofy's a dog, and so is Pluto. I would be fair and friends with the polar bear. Your armor seems awesome. Yeah. So what separates you? Again, if water's so precious to us, maybe it's a desert. So is there a so in a few days from the swamp, there's a desert. And man, the apocalypse just hit. It's like some like magically scarred land you don't cross. It could just not maybe not desert, but just dead land. Ooh, I like it's that. Just like, like a that. wasteland, like you said, like magically scarred. It's like like ab- the aberrations tore right through and just destroyed everything. Like or nothing maybe, grows there. Right. Or, or maybe strength. that's where no man's land. Right. Well, maybe that's where the monsters are hanging out dormant and they don't dare wake them up. Or there was, that was where they were last seen. Or Yeah, something. Or maybe there's nothing. And again, that's just a lie our, our thought. Yeah. by the, the marshmonger. Don't go out there. It's dangerous out there. Stay with me where you'll be protected and fed. And yeah, it's just and really earth. Right. And in, in actuality, there's nothing wrong. I can't decide if my bee person would have a problem with what the marshmonger is doing. I mean, do we live in this village or are we outsiders? I'm an outsider, according to my character construction. Jenna has to be an outsider by yeah. well, based on think, her race. Corey, I think, I think, I think I, lives there, right? I'd say like I, I could live there and also be like a slight outsider with like, uh, I'll go out and grab some stuff. Yeah. I'll be back. Whatever, like supply runner. You're like the one guy. Yeah. Right, because well, I I, I've been told I, I can't tell a thing. Because <laughs> yeah, I think anybody that grew up there wouldn't see a problem with it. And anybody that was outside of there would say, well, what are you doing? This is an evil cult. Right, so I but think- I don't know that my bee person would because it's like, well, the drones are doing the drone things and the worker bees are doing the worker bee things. So- That's a fantastic character arc to explore, though. Right. But yeah. again, if you were a true bee person, what would you be doing with us and not within your own hive. So you would have had to have rebelled against your bee hive. So you would immediately see the problem here. Like, this is just what I left. They just come to get the grade A pollen. Unless I'm an emissary and I'm just like, hey, you live near the Melotherin area. We cool? I don't know. That's something I'm going to explore. All right. Now we're on to Corey, if we're happy with that answer, which I am. Who was the latest person or group to settle in this town? I feel like whatever group was, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't a clean integration because I assume that group had male figures with them. And then we promised like, hey, you know, all the power goes to you, like to the woman. And they kind of like, like, all right, that sounds pretty sick. Let's go. And the men just kind of got cast out. Or the uh, women betrayed them. Yeah. It's like, oh, you just need to turn these guys into mulch. <laughs> we have a special job for you down at the roots come with me <laughs> shovels to the back of the head all right i like that so the women were integrated great they, they were perfect for the village everyone has had a good time well at least the young women who are of childbearing age or right before that but the men were done away with or they went to live on a farm up north no they're just being slowly digested by a truth system <laughs> yeah, i like that idea the men just kind of got tossed inside Kind of keeps up the theme, I feel. The crones are just like manipulating the new people showing up. Were they being lured in or do they just come across it? Like four years ago, they came walking in. They were just like looking for a place to settle because like everyone else does nothing, nothing around. And then they saw this place that looked like a village. Can I throw something out? Just you can take it, catch yeah. it, keep it, or you can throw it right back. What Off if you were the one who found them out in the wilderness and led them back to the tree? 
Okay, so that would lead my guy towards a little more sus, like a little more evil. Route, maybe you say. didn't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe you were. Maybe I just. Oh, hey, I, I know a place where there's shelter. But there's shelter. And, there's there's the great provider. You'll be welcomed with open arms. It's a great community. Maybe like, tell hey, what happened to the men, and you feel terribly guilty. That's why I help get this kid out. But I, I don't want to make Can decisions for you. I'm just throwing that out there. No, I like the idea because I'll be the one really like coming and going from the town. Like, how would someone really stumble upon this tree that knows how to protect itself? You know, you'd, you'd figure it'd make like thickets too big to get through. But like, I know how to traverse that area so I could show people in and out well, if I needed to. You're like the uh, the jackal. Like a coyote. I met coyote from uh, yeah. Army, uh, Army of the Dead. You're like the, the coyote. Yeah. You're just like, all right, come on in. So are you luring people in and you know what happens? No, or... it's more of like, hey, I know a place where you guys can either okay, join so the community or... Okay, you stumbled. It's not like you're like brainwashed into like bringing him food or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what goes on with the people there. I just bring supplies to this community. Okay. And then I saw people that looked like they were in need and I was like, hey, I know a place where there's people. Cool. I don't, I don't deal with them much, but I stop in every now and again. Right, but I think slowly you figure out... Oh, I see all yeah, the women, it's... but what happened to all the men? And they yeah. give you some bullshit line about, oh, they decided to leave. I have a lizard brain. I, I'm a dragonborn loner, so <laughs> I don't know too much about these societies. But I'm like, yeah, this is a little fishy, fishy after a while. Do dragonborn lay eggs? I don't know. Do they? I would think That's so. Up to you. Or I can make, up, make it up for... Okay. Yeah, I'd say they would lay an egg. So are dragonborn affected by the tree pollen thing like a normal mammal would be? No, I'd say like natural resistance to nature. Hmm, that's interesting. Is it's that kind of like part of other... why he's a runner? He's a runner. He's a track star. Because the I, I went with like the, the green race of Dragonborn, which is you know nature and like poison and stuff like that. So maybe that still has like some innate resistance to whatever this guy's spewing out. What if that's why you were raised as a runner? Like you were you that's... were the one person taught the skill. That's of, what of, I meant, because it's like, well, you're not useful to me in this way, but you can do this other thing instead. Yeah, because like, there would need to be a reason for, for a ranger to be in this village that can go further out and know the woods and everything, right? Like, if I lived in a normal society before, I wouldn't trust anything about this. So mm -hmm. I'd probably have to be raised from within, but also not kept close enough to know the inner workings. Maybe your dragon mother laid an egg in like a nest in one of his branches, not knowing he moved. The egg fell out of the out of the nest. And he's like, I can't eat you. You're cold-blooded. So this could be useful to me. So confusing statement. Dragonborns aren't born from dragons. I know. It makes no sense. What? They're just like a dragonoid human. They call them dragonborn. Like like a savage dragon? No. Imagine dragons. <laughs> Not like a savage dragon. Yes, like an imagined dragon. Jenna. Yes. Aside from the terrible wasteland, what's a place nearby or in the village that nobody wants to go? Well, I feel like it's pretty obvious that nobody wants to go in the center pit of the marshmonger who apparently makes people into some kind of like goo to become his food. But people think that's an honor, though. When they age out, but do they want to go there early? It depends if they see it as an honor growing up. If they've been brainwashed like the tree's been doing. No, I mean, like, you have displeased the marshmonger. You are not old enough to become the feeding the tree goo. You just need to be disposed of. Like, it would be scary because it's before your time. Right. Or if you're a dissenter, that's what happens to you. Right. You're made an example out of. All right. Well, that dovetails in my next question. So I'm going to ask Richard and Jenna the same question at the same time. So what's the place that's scary? And what happens to people who break a major law in town? 
does he feed on them or does he like say, Hey, you know what? You're not worthy of feeding the tree. So you're going to do something else. Like I'm going to turn you into a zombie or some shit. Drown him in the swamp. I don't think he rules with an iron fist. So he does, but I don't think he wants the public perception to be that. So he probably just tells them you're going to be cast out, which to them is a horrible thing because you're living on paradise, but then he really eats you. I don't think people know about the eating or even like, with it being a mangrove, its roots will go out pretty far. They just dump it into what would be like a swamp or something nearby. And its roots still reach there, but no one knows about that. So they don't see it as like this big thing. Like they don't realize how far the monger's roots will go and still be able to absorb the nutrients from bodies. Okay. People don't want to become mulch before their time because then they won't be able to join the tree or pay the tree back and their souls won't rest. Do you think he promises them like eternal like life inside the tree you like you become the tree like what's the better thing than that like your soul lives on your memories live on to feed the village and take care of the village mm. but really your memories live on for like a hundred years because he's fucking eating you are still alive and he can still ask you questions does this hurt does this hurt does yeah this hurt? all right so after the fall which is what we're calling when civilization collapsed all the old gods either died or abandoned the world do people worship the tree as the highest god or are there other gods and religions that they worship? Like, is the tree just like the emissary of some higher power? Or is that too many hierarchical things? I feel like there are other societies that worship the, the monsters that came out. They don't, not necessarily one god, but like that, just them as beings and saying like, you know, these came out to punish us and whatever. You know, everyone gets kind of like crazy when the end of the world happens. So they want to make sure like they don't piss that off. So there's like, hidden societies that kind of worship them and try and research them and the tree but there's no, it's not like necessarily like god it's more just like hey this is how we survive right that's what i was gonna say like maybe the reason that this whole thing started was because when things collapsed the tree sustained a small group like it has grown and evolved into like its own culture since then but it started like it was a protector yeah and it just it always had like a smaller group Mm-hmm. And then since this is the only thing left, it was able to retain more and more and grow. But it wasn't necessarily like every society is based on a tree. Right. So the tree is not a god. It's respected, but it's not worshipped. Well, again, I think Titan is the word. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a Greek so god. massively it's powerful. Yeah. And when the, the, the monsters you know came out and gods were abandoned, it grew more powerful and hence more insane. It just filled the, the vacuum. Did it intend to become what it is? Like, was it seeking to have all of these adherents or was it just, it started as, well, I guess I'll help these things. And then it became something else. I think it was more like an evolutionary thing. Like, it was just like, this is going to be the easiest way for me to sustain life. And I'm going to keep moving forward with like convincing these people to feed me. It just is. It's not necessarily trying to be evil. It just wants to exist. They just want to keep thriving. Yeah. What if it needed sentient beings? to be able to sustain its own sentience. And that's why it eats people. And so that's mm-hmm. why it has like a breeding stock within its control so it can guarantee that it will live as long as it can. I'm getting like a Miss Cassandra vibe off of this from Doctor Who. Moisturize me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, because it could always go back to eating, you know, frogs and bugs, but then it right. becomes dumber and dumber and dumber and more animalistic. Right. It's grown a taste for humans. It likes the way it makes it feel. Mm. All right, Jenna. Yes. Are there any holidays? Arbor Day. <laughs> How does that... uh, <laughs> Maybe annually there's like Pollination Day. 
Every day, baby. No, but it's like each group, they all have the same birthday. Hmm. And so it's like a cyclical thing. So it's not like he's always pollinating. Oh, you think it's seasonal? Yeah. Oh, I see. I originally thought it was just like a, a revolving factory, but I guess for yeah. the tree thing. And maybe that's how the age groups are. It's not like age group strata. It's what birth group are you in? Yeah. Like what year are you from? And that's how he picks his lieutenants. And then really like you're not going to have, I mean, then it gets a little fucky with, okay, well, all the humans are dead and there's only one elf in the whole village. And so they are the leader of their age group when they get to a certain age. Mm. Or are elves a threat and the elves are not allowed in this town? Only people that live 70 years or below. I think anyone who knew about the past in a serious way, like an elf or a dwarf. would be a threat. Absolutely. So they would have to go. I like that. Because they would remember before the consuming sentience part. Right. Like, I remember Treants back in the day. They were monsters. How did you become this? He's like, shut the fuck up. How about that? (laughs) In the pit you go. Yeah. Just a convenient branch comes swinging in. Oh, weird breeze. Oh, sorry, bud. Smacked. And Jenna, how do they mark time here? You said seasons. Are there, is it just like four seasons, like normal earth? Well, we had said before um, that it was like a consistent temperature Mm. all the time. So there would need to be something else. But then again, maybe that's why he picked this location because it was a constant spring. Right. Like it's like on the equator kind of a. Right. So it's, it's, it's picked the perfect spot that it can do this year round. And that's why it's grown so powerful. Cause otherwise before it could only do this, you know, as an annual. The monger has its own spreadsheet on breeding and like <laughs> optimization. It's over there tracking ovulation days. Yeah. Really good with Excel. I want to get the perfect IVs for this baby. Got to boost the special defense. <laughs> Maybe it's just a matter of a certain number of days is like how often it can pollinate. Every, every like 200 days. Yeah. So it is in like pollination day is like New Year. Because we wouldn't, we wouldn't really have a calendar to go yeah. off of. So you don't really care about the year so much. Like what year is it? Like it does not matter. It's, it's the 48th pollination. Yeah. yeah. Richard. Besides the wasteland and the tree, what's the biggest threat in this region? Marauders. Maybe they live out in the in the wasteland. So Lord Lord Humongous. Again, I'm going total Mad Max with this. Do people know that these marauders are out there? I don't think the marauders are as bad as, as people probably make them out to be, but it's just lumped into the threat of the bad things that can happen to you when you're not under my protection. Yeah, they're just there to like feed off whatever ruins they can find. They're not bad people. They're just they're not trying to destroy. They're just trying to Yeah sustain but he can use that as one more threat to keep people in line right which again is just more people to join the the rebel alliance all right Corey, what's the economy like is there a currency of any sort i'd say it's just more of like a like a trade system really people just hand off like whatever they have to each other if they you know hey i've been eating this all week do you want to have this instead i'll switch switch with you like we wouldn't money wouldn't really mean anything to anyone here now um, I feel like we're gradually uninventing capitalism. Well, I think everything is provided from the tree. Like, I think they eat from his fruit. And then if they need any, like, wares or anything, I'm going to go out and scavenge it, I would guess. And not really. I guess I could find money, but it wouldn't really be worth anything to the community. Right. Like, here's a chest of gold. Like, okay, what do I do with this? Right. We're just going to bring back money to Scrooge McDuckett. You know, <laughs> just fill the hole of the, of the tree with gold. I could see, like, making armor, like, scaling me a lot of coins. Because yeah. it's, like, it's so abandoned and it's fairly useless. Like, what do you do with it? Melt it down and make like, weapons out of it. Like, this gold is too soft and heavy. This sucks. Silver is okay. 
That's a barter economy and trade. It's like a need-based economy. Like if you need it, you'll have it. If you want it, you have to figure out how to get it. Yeah. See if uh, see if our outside source has anything, but no promises. Yeah. Right. I just can't see the people within the the tree village needing anything. Right. It's all provided. Right. But so like, I don't even think they wear clothes. Like it's just what are they, what are they in clothes for? To hide their dirty business. I, but again, it's a sexless village. It's fifty degrees. It's fucking yeah, it's a little, cold. A little chilly. We need some some warmth. You don't think they're covered in branches and and leaves? A little itchy. Clothes. The wind and the elements. I mean, they could have like a bark clothing. Or who or was like the, the that that sexy fairy from um, Fern Gully? Didn't she have like a, a leaf <laughs> bikini? Yeah, but she was also like very tiny. Oh, they could be big leaves. That's a good point. I had not <laughs> considered big leaves. It's a big tree. Big leaves. Big it leaves. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, vines everywhere. It's a fucking swamp. Or they could have like like uh, bark bikinis. Barkinis, come on! It was right there for you. (laughs) Can we wear like actual clothes? I mean, you're a scavenger, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you'd have to wear leaves. Yeah, you probably find some stuff. We we still don't know if Richard's character is an outsider or from the town itself. I'm thinking Corey needs coverage just for like ye olde poison ivy. Well, like maybe there's maybe bark armor is a thing where bark is as hard as steel in some places. Like you can grow specialized bark. Like um, there's a thing in uh. Game of Thrones, like Ironwood. Or maybe it's like you've scavenged enough metal to piecemeal together some armor. Yeah. It's not going to win any beauty contest, but it's functional as, you know, hide or whatever the hell you have. I just Scale need something to help me cover. All right. We have the penultimate question coming up, and it goes to Jenna, I believe. Yes, dear. When someone gets sick or injured, what happens to them? I would say that if we, if the crones can't heal them quickly via the like the medicines that they can derive from the tree, you know, if like long-term illness, you know, you can break a leg and we'll heal you, but like anything more intense than that, we either don't have or would not expend the resources. You're going down to dysentery. You go, you're going down and then you're going to be mulched. Now, is that seen as like almost an honor? Like, Hey, you, you actually get to jump ahead of the line and join the tree early. Like, wow. He must really want you. Like some kind of fucked up the God needs another angel bullshit. Yeah. I would say like, hey, yeah, hey, it's that, your no, time that's to what go. I felt like that's why I started making a face. <laughs> yeah, see, I, think the a... opposite. I think you're shunned. Like, like a piece of shit. You can't provide for the tree. The tree does all this wonderful stuff for you and you can't even bother to be alive you got, for it. You got sick. Right. Because the tree couldn't be imperfect to give you bad food. It right. has to be you. It's like, why you does bad t- things happen to good people argument? If there's, you know. And the tree sends something evil or wrong in you. And as a result, you've been cast out through being sick. Like you, you're not fit to be here. You must be pruned. Like the TVA? Yeah, like that. <laughs> all right. That's all of the major questions to build our horrible fucking village. Right. We are fucked up, man. You can I, build any any land you want. Here's this disgusting village of just who you have no free will, pretty much. We could create anything and we made dystopia. But it's not capitalism. Right. That's true. We swerved hard from capitalism. <laughs> we were like, oh, we chose to live on the river because of you know money and trade routes, and now we're like, we live for the tree. So, I mean, there's a lot here. We could definitely make we make a huge campaign out of this because there's a lot to explore, there's a lot to figure out, multiple threats on multiple fronts. I'm into it. So, I have one question for all of you now. I'm going to go through one more time, and I want you to think about your characters now. So, we'll start with Richard. I know that you're going to be a cleric. And you want to be something like a cleric that instead of using spells, you're going to reflavor your spells like devices, mm-hmm. like, um, gadgets. like supernatural boys. Yeah, gadgets. Right. You're like a little, like not an artificer because artificer sucks. Uh, but 
yeah, like a cleric could just be reflavor stuff. I want to be like Batman and always have the perfect thing on his belt, you know? What's one thing, either major or minor, that you want your character to achieve over the course of this campaign? I mean, based off of how horrendous we made the Marshmonger and what's happening, you know, I want to liberate these people and, and destroy the Marshmonger. Otherwise, I, I couldn't live with myself playing a game where that wasn't my, my sole goal. Like, I'm going to lose sleep tonight knowing I can't save these people that I've put in jeopardy because I've created them. You could have made like a Disney paradise. Like, there's a plenty of food. No one needs anything. And the monsters are all hey, kittens. Don't put this on me. Okay. <laughs> Corey, Jenna, you were just as responsible for this. <laughs> we're going to listen back on this and be like, okay, where did the turn happen and who did it? Right. <laughs> who was to blame for this campaign setting? All right. Corey. Same question to you. What's one thing, major or minor, that you want your Dragonborn Ranger to achieve during this campaign? Inner peace. Hmm. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I guess figure out a way to get out. I've seen like the outside, and I don't want to be attached anymore, but I do care about the people that I've helped for so long. So like, get myself out and get them out. Might not necessarily destroy the Marshmonger, but at least find a way to break free if we can. Awesome. And lastly, Jenna. What's the one thing that you want your character to achieve during this campaign? Well, I feel like we kind of already set up my major conflict is, you know, with some of the ways that it mirrors hive culture. If this is wrong, then what does that mean? And figuring that out. Okay. I've. <laughs> is there anything that anyone has now that they want to add that we didn't get to or any questions that they feel like we should have asked what we didn't? Because I mean, we have a very fleshed out thing we started out saying like oh we settled on the river because of the economic possibilities later on the marshmonger was originally some arch capitalist but i feel like that was kind of shunned and now we're not doing that anymore it's just I think, all yeah i think he's picked the spot solely because it's a perfect environment for a tree to survive so in a way he he did find a spot where not economically but he would be able to thrive and and be vital Right. So it's the same thing, just not from a human perspective. With the, but from with the weather being what it is, the water yeah. source. Right. And the people that are part of his symbiosis also thrive there, but it's a happy circumstance. Like he went there mostly because it's a great place for a tree. It just so happened that it also is great for his food. Well, I think his yeah. food would be happy regardless because they live on him, not the land. But, but maybe also, too, it was also a good spot because it's in close proximity to the beehive. And if he's thinking long-term pollination with the giant bees, that well, and it, it kind just of like a box. What's good for the goose is good for the gander sort of thing where it's like, it helps him, which helps them, which helps him. Right. Like it, yeah. yeah. So now we're good. We, we are ready to play in this horrible world and try to liberate things and figure out what happened. Yeah, what, let's fuck them up. the fall, all that fun stuff. Right, because you know my questions, which I want answered within the game, not now, mm. but is you know I keep saying he's a titan, so he's not a god, but he's a titan. So obviously he knows what's up. Was this his chance to take over when they left? You know, like what? You know, how did he get this way? I guess. Oh my God, he's Martha from Martha Speaks. He just happened to eat a human one time, and then he was like, "Oh my God, talking is great. I want to eat more of those." Right, but I think it's the I think he was fine when it was just a tree. Right. But the I more human he's become, the more corrupt he's become. And that's what's really evil. Like he's just absorbed 
the corpses from these aberrations killing people. Right, because greed isn't, you know, animals are greedy. It's not a tree (laughs) thing. It's a human trait that's made him evil and selfish and lying and manipulative. So maybe he started just looking for food. It's like a tree near a graveyard, and that's how he became sentient. Well, I think he was always sentient, but not human. Like, he was probably benevolent. Like, he he was pure neutral. And I mean, there was a mass extinction event that slaughtered right people and because he's, people could have died on him or near him right but i think the more human he's eaten the more yeah. human he's become which is why he's evil turns out man is the real monster you are what you eat which is the name of our stupid campaign no it's not <laughs> why not you are what you eat there's too many words cannibal party <laughs> cannibal tree party dark waters well, a hive something like like, it's a hive and a cult. Like, there has to be something. Human Grove. Marsh attacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Move it on. It's like the bee sharks. Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. Marsh attacks it. Is like, <laughs> if anybody has any other ideas, feel free to pitch them. But well, we now... have to do like the Mars attacks font. Swamp, 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 swamp. Beautiful. Excellent. You said you were bad at naming shit and you came up with that? That takes some time. You did a good job, baby. Thinking about that for like two hours now. Hey, folks, it's Nate. I hope you enjoyed our session zero and that you'll come back for session one next week. The episode's already been recorded and it's in editing right now. And I am like beyond excited to share it with you. Going forward, we're going to release new sessions of March Attacks every month. But otherwise, we're going to stick with our normal focus on indie games and the amazing folks that create them. Oh, and then other exciting news. We've opened up our Discord to the public. So there's a link in the show notes if you want to come and join us. And you should, because it's a weird and wild group, and I love them. They're great. And you are great, too, and so why not treat yourself? And why not treat me with your presence? Yeah, I think I've earned it. If you want to support the Pot of Blunders, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps increase our visibility, and it also gives me the warm fuzzies. You know, make me feel good. You could also become a patron at $1, 5 or $10 a month. Our patrons enjoy perks like coming on our show, copies of any RPGs that I make, holiday cards, bonus audio content, including our exclusive podcast, Jumping the Street Sharks, and a lot more. So it's definitely worth it. And I'm not just saying that because I make it. I'm also a client. That's not true, but I make it and I stand by it. It's really good stuff. Thanks again for listening. And we appreciate you. I just want you to know that we do appreciate you listening and we know there's options and you chose us because you have excellent taste. Thank you. For the Pot of Blunders, I've been Nate Magnuski. And as always, may all your Ds B12s.